This morning's reading is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as, fa- as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Good morning. morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active. And uh, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, you would inspire us and challenge us and stretch us and grow us and deepen our love for you, Jesus. Amen. So um, we come to uh, the second of our little mini-series on making Jesus known, which is following the uh, vision for Salisbury Darst. It's making Jesus known. And if you were here last week, you would have heard Andy talking about and encouraging you to strengthen your souls. And that's what we were looking at last week. And uh, if you were here, he began by um, opening up Matthew 22, which is Jesus' question about the commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And that was week one. So week two, we move on to the second part of this, the second most important commandment. And it's very familiar. Jesus says this, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this, of course, your neighbor means anyone, as Jesus explained with the parable of the Good Samaritan. It can mean those who you're familiar with, but it can mean those who you're not familiar with. It can mean those that you know well, those you don't know at all, those who belong to you, those who don't belong, those on the inside, those on the outside. But today, I want to focus it down onto the neighbors who are sat here this morning. Have a little look round at each other. This is your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are neighbors together within this church family. Because if we want to make Jesus known, it's pretty obvious to me that therefore we need to be known as followers of Jesus. We can't make Jesus known to those that don't know him unless there's something about us which identifies us as followers of Jesus. Now, how do we ensure that we're recognizable as followers of Jesus? How do we make sure people would look at us and go, that's a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus answered this question. John 13, he gave us a new command to love each other. And he goes on to say this, by this, in other words, when you love each other as a family, as as neighbors within a church community, when you love each other, everyone outside will know that you follow me, will know you follow me because the love you have for each other. There has to be something distinctive about us as a community. We have to stand out. A church should be different. 
There should be a level of love and commitment to each other which is unheard of outside the spirit-filled gathering of God's believers. We have to be distinctive. As Jesus um, demonstrated on the cross, the best way, the greatest way that you can show love is by giving up your life for one another. Jesus demonstrated that in action and in his teaching. That's the greatest way we love one another. And Peter picks up this theme in his letter, which uh, Nick read for us just now. So we're going to go through this short passage uh, briefly together. Verse 8, above all, he urges, love each other deeply. That is the challenge for us as we sit here this morning, to look around the room and to love each other deeply. The word um, deeply comes from the same root, apparently, as the word to describe straining like a horse straining when it's galloping. So when we say love each other deeply, it's not a kind of surface thing. It is a deep muscle stretching, straining, every sinew pushing forward of a horse at great speed. It is an animal. It is deep. It is powerful. It's not just love each other. It's love each other like a horse that is running as fast as it can. I know nothing about horses, but I hope you get the picture. That is how we are to love one another with that same commitment and energy. Now, that's all very well me saying that or Peter telling us and me reiterating it through his letter. But how? How do we love each other? Well, Peter very helpfully gives three things. The first two we're not going to really talk about in great depth, uh, and the third one we will. But he suggests three ways that we can love each other, the three ways that this love is put into action. And the first one is by forgiving quickly, verse 8, because love covers over a multitude of sins. That doesn't, you can misinterpret that. You can misinterpret that and think, well, I can get away with doing lots of sins because love will cover them up. That doesn't mean that. What it means is that when you love other people, you are more likely to forgive them because of your great love for them. So a community which loves each other will be a forgiving community. We'll look at each other and know that they've been wrong, but we'll forgive them because they have great love for one another. That's the first thing. We forgive each other. The second one is um, also in, in verse 9 is about offering hospitality. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's interesting, the, the without grumbling bit there, because it's saying our attitude, as we know, is important. It's not just about offering hospitality. It's about our attitude towards hospitality. Back when Peter was writing, hospitality was very even more important because um, if there was a traveler, uh, it was unlikely they could find a safe place to stay. Ho they didn't have hotels and an Airbnb like we do. So they, it, was, it was a dangerous thing to go to a new town and try and find somewhere to stay. So offering hospitality was a way of protecting those you love and those you'd, you'd met. We are to offer hospitality without grumbling. And the third thing, and this is what I really want to talk about this morning, is uh, verse 10. We, we love each other by serving with our gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now, there's a few uh, things we can unpack around this. There's, um, the first thing I want to unpack about this is the, the implication that everyone has a gift or more than one gift. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. It's implied that all of you have at least one gift. Now, these gifts can be um, supernatural gifts, spiritual gifts. They can be practical gifts, natural talents, and things like this, or a combination. It's usually a combination of these things. But there's anything that we have been, that we're able to do, that in God's strength, as we'll come on to in a minute, we can use in his service. That's what a gift is, or a combination of gifts that we might have. It can be very practical, very uh, mental, uh, it can be intellectual, can be spiritual, whatever. It can be a whole range of things. But the implication is that everyone has them. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 briefly. So this says, this highlights the point, to each one, you might be sat there thinking, I don't really have any gift I could use to serve, but that's not true. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then at the end of this short passage, um, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one. I I think there's a kind of equality there. It's like he's given out everything to everybody, but, but uniquely individual gifts to each individual person. But I don't think we can ever say that someone who's following Jesus doesn't have a gift they can use. Everyone has at least one or a multiple number of gifts they can use to serve. And the joy of this is that they are all different. Everyone is different. Have a look around the room. You can see everybody else's gifts. So what I want you seriously is to look around the room, choose one person to look at, and if you know them, if you know them, and say, they have this gift that I don't have. Just don't say that to them. Just think that in your head. Oh, you can say it to them if you like. Don't I? So, so um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Andy Finley thinking he has the gift of running up a mountain at the age of 60. I don't have that gift. We have, we have different gifts. Everyone has different gifts. And this is highlighted um, by Paul in Romans 12. So let's look at this. He simply says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We're all uniquely made. And I love this. Because if we can keep that up for a second, I just want to highlight something else in that. But I I love this because God basically says, I made you uniquely because I need you to be unique. I value your uniqueness. He doesn't want everyone to be the same, to do the same things. He needs us to be in our uniquely God-given gifts and to be unique. And you are. You are all unique because we all have different gifts. Now, What I think is really interesting about this is Paul is really kind of blunt. And you'll see that I've highlighted in yellow and blue the if, then, if, then, if, then. And Paul is, Paul is, he's not, there's no sort of debate about this. He's basically saying, if you can do that, then do that. If you can do that, then do that. There's no, there's no escaping it, but there's also no need to overthink it or to maybe try and force ourselves into something else. So he says, if your gift is prophesying, if you know you have the gift of prophecy, then just prophesy. It's not, it's not rocket science. If your gift is rocket science, then rocket science. If your gift is, is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give. It's like not complicated. You just do what you do, and you do it. It's, I love the bluntness of Paul here. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's so straightforward and simple. 
The purpose of having these gifts is, as I've said, to serve. And every Christian, as I've said, is capable of ministering to other Christians with the gifts that they have. Now, just a, a quick highlight about uh, a quick point to highlight about what it means to serve. The word serve, as you may well have heard, is it comes from diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon from, which is uh, a specific role within the church, but it's a general word as well. And we see this throughout the New Testament. And what's interesting about this is it can mean any types of serving. So just two examples. In Acts, we see that it can be used for the ministry of the word, the people who are preaching. They are diakonos, but also people who wait at tables and distribute food to the poor. That is also diakonos. So what's really important is there's no, there's no um, hierarchy of gifts here. You have your gift, as Paul says, you do it. Whether that is serving food and distributing food to the poor, or whether that's teaching, it doesn't matter. They're all diakonos. They're all for all of us. That's how we should be. We should be serving within our diakonos. That's, that's quite encouraging, I think. Um, the question is, and, and I know this is the, the, the next logical question coming out from what I'm saying, is what is my gift? Now, some of you have heard me say this, and you'll be able to identify three or four gifts that you know you have. For some of you, that will be obvious. It will be really clear. I know I'm good at this, and I'm good at this, and God has given me the spiritual gift of that, and that's where I am. And you can probably identify it quite easily. Others of you might be going, I've actually no idea. And I think sometimes we have words spoken over us and discouragements in our life, and maybe we squash or repress our giftings because someone's put us down. Or, or you know, that kind of thing can, can affect us when we're growing up. We can, um, we can be we can be put down. And, and I, I think sometimes we squash our gifts and we, we go, go into our adult lives and think, I don't know what I'm good at. I'm not really good at anything. But that's counter to what we've already seen in Scripture. Everyone has gift and everyone can serve with their gift. Now, we haven't got time this morning to um, explore in great detail how you can identify your gift. There are so many different ways of identifying your gifts. There are things you can do online. There are people you can talk to. There are courses you can go on. But I would encourage, if you don't know what your gifts are, or if you do and you think you might have others, then talk to people. Talk to me. Talk to Andy. Talk to the team here. Talk to your life group leader. Talk to people who know you well. Say, what is my gift? And there are ways we can explore and help each other identify our gifts. Um, but I just want to talk about one of them, actually, which is this concept of... Um, Holy Discontent. I don't know if you've ever heard this concept. It was, a, it was a title of a book by Bill Hybels, who sadly turned out not to be quite the, the, the man of integrity we'd, we'd hoped he had. But this book is actually very helpful, and it makes this point that what you are discontented with or uncomfortable with, what breaks your heart, what stirs you, is a holy thing, and that can be a really good way of beginning to understand where you should be serving. What breaks your heart is a good starting point for where you should be serving. And I think God's good like this. He doesn't, he doesn't give us stirrings that we're not gifted to, to meet. I think he does that deliberately in partnership. I think he gives us heartbreak and gifts that go together. And they kind of work together in combination if we'll let them. We know what breaks our heart, and actually that resonates with what we're good at. And therefore, now I don't know which comes first, the heartache or the gift. Maybe it's doesn't matter which comes first. I think God is good. I think he combines that. 
and the things that really make us discontented or uncomfortable or grieving or sad or frustrated or angry are often the things that our gifts are equipped to address. Let me just give you some examples. Um, maybe it breaks your heart when you see kids who are a little bit lost, a little bit di directionless. And you know what I'm going to say. It sounds a bit trite, but I really mean it. Why don't you join the kids' team here? Make a difference to the kids that we get over in the center every week, whether it's on a Sunday or, or in the midweek groups. Yesterday, Kate and I were in the park walking the dog, and we walked past a group of girls who, 13, 14, at least one of them was absolutely wasted, kicking her can of lager around. 14, maybe, maybe 15, I don't know. But that broken, lost teenage girl. If that breaks your heart, then why don't you speak to Rob and say, I want to do something about this. You can pray about it, you could, which is vitally important. It underpins what you do. But get involved. Rob has a lot of youth over the road midweek that have nothing to do with church. They're broken kids, a lot of these youth, and Rob needs your help. If that stirs you, then get involved with that. If you feel it's an injustice that there are people who are still hungry, volunteer to help with the soup run. If it breaks your heart when you see people arrive at church or in any context and you feel that they're people who just find it hard to feel like they belong or feel that they are welcome or feel that they have anything to offer, then why don't you join the welcome team or the refresh team, our coffee team? Now, coffee team on one level is just a practical thing. And I love my morning cup of coffee. And I'm very grateful. But the coffee team can be so much more because it can be the one person in this hour and a half on a Sunday morning that engages with someone who comes in lonely, on their own, uncertain, vulnerable, anxious. You can offer them a cup of coffee and give them a quick chat. It's so, so powerful. So if, if, you, if your heart breaks by people who are vulnerable and lonely, then why don't you join the welcome team, which again, it's so much more than a shake of the hand on the door. It's, a, it's, it's being Jesus to people. It's being Jesus. Sometimes I pray before services when we're praying, and I pray for everyone who's serving in different ways, and I say that, would, would you help us to be Jesus? So when someone walks up the drive to church on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening and there's someone on the, the door, they're not seeing that person on the door. They're seeing Jesus. And they walk over there and they get their cup of coffee and their jammy dodge and their Oreo from the table. And the person that passes it to them is not seeing someone serving coffee. They're seeing Jesus. And they come forward and they get prayer ministry at the end and they're not seeing someone praying for them. They're seeing Jesus. And hopefully God willing, when I stand up here and preach or whoever gets up here and preaches, they're not actually seeing me. They're seeing Jesus through what we say. When the, when the band lead us in worship, we're seeing Jesus through those people. That's how people get to know Jesus. And that's what we're about, making Jesus known. I was about to make a bad joke because I also wanted to say, we'd love you to get involved with the AV team. And then I was going to say, I'm not sure how that shows Jesus. But that's not fair. That's a joke. <laughs> Even our, you know, act <laughs> It was a joke. <laughs> Am I, am I on? <laughs> last Sunday night, um, 
Last Sunday night, I actually did the word desk, the cameras, if you were here, because, because someone who's meant to do it didn't turn up, and I'd already heard the sermon twice that day, so I thought, <laughs> I need something else to entertain me for the next evening service, so sorry. So I thought, um, no, what I actually thought was, I've heard the sermon three times, so I know when the slides are coming up, so I can do it perfectly. So I actually went on the AV, do you know what, it's a nightmare. Let's give our AV team a round of applause. They, you have to, they have to concentrate. And actually, in terms of hours, they're often here. You know, they're here with the worship band very early. They stay. It's brilliant. So I'm not, I'm not, I can't believe I, I'm, I've dug my hole and now we're moving on. Right. Okay. Two final points to make. Okay. Number one is this. Um, I, I made the point about he makes us uniquely, but moving on to the next point. This is really, really important. Okay. Verse 11. If anyone serves they should do so with the strength God provides. The joy of this is that we don't have to rustle up our own strength to do it. The joy of this is that God gives us the strength to do it. Now, not actually this translation of the word strength, but often in the New Testament, the word power, when we are equipped with gifts, is the Greek word dunamis. And of course, the word dunamis is the word that we get for um, dynamite or dynamic. And so, for example, Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will make Jesus known. God provides the dunamis for us. We just need to be willing and available and obedient. The title of this morning is Dynamic Teams. When we serve in church, we join a dynamic team, not because the team is like, hey, dynamic. Do you know, like fun, hey. It's not that dynamic. It's dynamic because it's a dunamis team. It's a team which has been strengthened with the Holy Spirit's supernatural strength. Dynamic teams. Finally, last point. Uh, if you were at Rise on, sun, on Monday night, um, you would have heard Andy mention a prophetic word that was spoken about SML years ago from Haggai about uh, the glory of God being in the church. So my final point is about the glory of God. There are many, many ways that God can be glorified in his church. There are lots of ways we glorify God through his church. But the purpose of serving in church, the purpose of joining a dynamic team is to bring glory to God through Jesus. Verse 11, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus, to him be the glory. We long to see the glory of God, don't we, in our church? Wouldn't we love to feel that this is a place where God's glory dwells? In every church, but in this church, this is where we belong. So this is our church. This is where we want to see God's glory. By using whatever gift we have, whatever that is, whatever combination of gifts, by using those gifts to serve others through spirit-empowered, dynamic, dunamis teamwork, we help to make sure that God's glory is displayed here at SML. And in doing so, we help and we begin to make Jesus known because people recognize there's something different about us as a community we're identified as followers of Christ because of the great love we have for one another. Amen.